This is Maurice Jones-Drew, and you're listening to the What's Brewing Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for West Coast Bias. The show brought to you all the way from the best coast. It's the West Coast Bias, that is. Aw, yeah. Welcome to the West Coast Bias Hotline. We are talking with sports journalist Jill Painter-Lopez. She covers a myriad of sports here in Southern California for the Associated Press. And now you can see her on CBS Sports LA. How are you doing, Jill? I'm good, Jamal. How are you today? I'm doing great. Um, great. Yeah, the Thanks last... for having me on. I'm happy to have you on. You're a friend of the podcast now because this is uh, another time that you're on. Awesome. Um, the last time we were talking, we were saying that you were Jill of all trades because you covered so much. And then you pick up this great gig with uh, local CBS Sports LA. Now you're working with Jim Hill. How's that going for you? Oh, it's been awesome. I started at CBS in January and uh, really loving the opportunity to tell a lot of stories in the Southland and, and uh, human interest things and and getting to, you know, learn a lot about the people who play sports here and, and uh, from, you know, the high school to college and, and pro level. So it's been been a lot of fun. And uh, of course, Jim is the most consistent sports figure in this town. So it's been fun to uh, work alongside him after seeing him at sporting events for so long. And, and then, of course, I got to see you at the a recent LAFC game. So that was yeah, fun as right. well. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was nice to uh, to uh, to see you in person and to also be able to help you out with uh, whatever you needed there at the uh, in the press conference. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, player IDs. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, my first game of the year was the semifinals. So and then of course they went on to to win the cup championship. So that was really really neat to see uh, in this town. Yeah, another LA sports team winning a title. So even even when some teams start to go down or some teams fall at the end, it seems like there's another team that steps up in that vacuum and just puts on another show and wins a title. Right? Exactly. So it's been uh, been some disappointing uh, start to the season for the Lakers and a disappointing end of the season for the for the Dodgers after winning 111 games. And so uh, kind of nice of LAFC to pick everybody up. Yeah, well, thanks for jump, uh, uh, getting us into the next segue. I wanted to get your quick thoughts because you were covering the NLDS for the Dodgers. I want to get your quick thoughts on the end of the Dodgers season. Well, obviously very disappointing. They ran into kind of a hot Padres team, and then uh, you know their bats just went silent uh, pretty much collectively. So uh, I, it's amazing, I think, with that lineup that that happened several times in the season where they just all went quiet, and then um, – you know, some, some questionable uh, pitching moves and, and um, you know, there's just, there were not uh, three Julio Arias's on the staff, which, which would have been nice. But, um, yeah, just a disappointing uh, end for sure. And, and uh, I think it's going to be a long off season for the Dodgers. And then, of course, we just saw that one of their uh, uh, strong members of the pitching staff, Tyler Anderson, just signed uh, with the Angels of free agency. So, uh, you know, they'll have a couple of holes to fill. Going back to the end of the season, uh, I want to get your thoughts. I'm a fan. I can't be objective. Obviously, Dave Roberts got a lot of the blame. Someone who's covered the team. What do you think of people that um, question whether he has control uh, from a game to game, whether it's the front office making those decisions, some of the comments by 
um, uh, Andrew Friedman saying that he does have control, that it's not the front office. What are your thoughts on some of those things that got said at the end of the season? Well, I was at that press conference uh, with Andrew Friedman uh, that followed the end of the season. And, you know, the truth probably always lies a little somewhere in between uh, for everything. So I think it's certainly a, a combination of, of Dave Roberts in the front office. Now he says he has 100%, but you could see how defensive, um, you know, Friedman got when he was uh, asked about that. So they're tired of that narrative, but it's a it's an absolute um, – narrative that i think is justified to to wonder how that's how that's going um so i i sort of agree with with the joe madden on on all that in terms of being able to use analytics plus feel um but it's hard to take that power out of a manager's hands and i don't think any of us really know exactly what the percentages are of how much power dave roberts has but um the blame certainly goes goes uh, to a lot of people i don't think you can put it on on one person we discuss you discussed uh, the tyler anderson move i did want to ask you um about the rumors that clayton kershaw apparently is already coming back for his 16th season um what do you think of that i have my own theory about what another clayton kershaw season should look like based on his game two start against the Padres in the NLDS. But what do you think about Clayton Kershaw coming back? I'm surprised he decided so early to come back. I really am. Uh, last year, he took a lot more time. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I didn't like was that, um, you know, he kind of has carte blanche ability to, and I think, I mean, he has earned it, right, to, to take however much time he needs to decide, uh, which I think is fine. But I didn't like the fact that when when they were asked about when Friedman was asked about Kershaw, he said, you know, he could take all the time he needs, et cetera, et cetera. And you have a guy like Justin Turner when they asked about him and obviously they, they declined to, to pick up his 16 million dollar option. And it, he could still potentially sign with the team. But uh, I thought, you know, for all Justin Turner has given to the organization uh, over the last decade, not just on the field, one of the best hitters in the game. Uh, but certainly the, the leadership and the intangibles in that clubhouse. And then in addition, uh, which this doesn't matter in wins and losses, but what he does for the community, it's just unparalleled. So uh, obviously winning the Roberto Clemente award as well. So um, I just thought it was interesting, the juxtaposition between, Hey, this guy has all the time in the world. And then it Freeman was like, well, you know, we haven't made those personal decisions when asked about Turner. Uh, and again, we saw that they declined to pick up the option. So, Clayton Kershaw, uh, you know, he obviously has, you know, suffered through injuries later in his career, um, but uh, he's an important piece for sure. And I'm, you know, I think the Dodgers are thrilled to have him back reportedly, but I was surprised that, that he didn't take more time to uh, think about the, the decision. I, I um, And I guess that's probably more again, surprised to be coming back for another year. I mean, this is what he does. You know, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher and he has a home with the Dodgers, I think, as long as as long as he wants one. Uh, again, just a little surprised. I, I thought maybe he might try and go to Texas and, and stay home. And especially with his four kids getting a little older and being in school. And, but it um, goes to show you that uh, things happen for different reasons. Well, you, you mentioned the, the juxtaposition between Justin Turner, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, they're both stalwarts in their lineup. Um, 
and it and I do think that with Kershaw, it does seemingly kind of put to rest the idea that he will look elsewhere. Um, I guess the Dodgers must. I guess he must feel that the Dodgers are his best shot for a winner. And why maybe that was quicker just to decide that because I mean Rangers seem to be rebuilding again. They just fired the manager, um, and I believe uh, made a change in the front office too. So um, kind of feels like that's one of the reasons why he's probably making that decision sooner. What do you think about that? I I agree. Um, I, I thought that because he won the World Series with the Dodgers in 2020 and finally got that championship ring, that that could change things. That he might want to be part of the rebuilding and the turnaround of Texas. And we we saw Corey Seager uh, obviously get the 300 plus million dollar contract there, and and so they're they're becoming more attractive. They're they're they still seem kind of far away, but. You know, again, I don't think anybody thought the Phillies were going to be in the World Series, right? So uh, that was was certainly a surprise. So you never know what can happen with the team when they can get on a run, etc. Um, you know, Phillies obviously fired Joe Girardi and then made it all the way to the World Series, uh, losing to the Astros. But um, again, I, I think that there's a lot of potential upside with Texas. Um, but you're right. Clayton wants to win again. I mean, at this point of your career, I guess, if you're going to keep coming back and keep putting your body through, you know, all the things that you need to do to, to, you know, continue to perform at, at the level that he has in his, his hall of fame career, then, then uh, he wants to do it with a team that can, can win and the Dodgers can win. We saw that with 111 wins. Um, but, you know, the moves in the postseason are questionable. Uh, you know, they need a closer. That was another thing when you asked about the NLDS, um, I mean, the bullpen guys just didn't know when they were coming in, when they were, you know, and I think you have to have established roles. I, I don't believe anybody when they say like, oh, it's, you know, if you're a back end of the bullpen guy, that's fine. But pitching the seventh inning in the postseason versus pitching, you know, clo- trying to close the game out. I mean, just could two completely different animals. So, uh, you know, they have some work to do in, in figuring out what they're going to do with the, the back end of the bullpen. Uh, you mentioned roles and I want to float something to you, see what you think. Um, in regards to Kershaw, one of the reasons um, I brought him up was also I feel like it's time, perhaps, even with him coming back, maybe his role needs to change in the staff. Um, perhaps it's time that he's your number four starter, regardless of regular season, postseason, just not seen as a front-line front guy. Uh, he pitched game two. I was there. He didn't look effective. Um, perhaps um, it's time for his role to change and be more of an elder statesman uh, and someone that helps out, especially with the Dodgers, having some rookies like Bobby Miller and Ryan Tepio, um, perhaps joining the staff. I don't know that I would put him all the way down to a four. I think uh, you would have, I mean, Julio's the ace for sure. I don't think there's... There's no more tiptoeing around that. And we saw finally in the postseason that even the Dodgers uh, came to, to see that. Um, unless I, I, I'd give him the, the two or three spot, um, unless he's not pitching well, then, then uh, get him you know, to that four or five spot in the rotation. But uh, I, I think that'd be very hard for him mentally to be that four or five guy. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a Hall of Famer, that stuff is – is difficult. I'm sure he just wants to help the team and win another championship. Uh, so wherever they, he always says that he even said that when they were trying to figure out who is starting game one, he's like, wherever they need me, uh, whether that's game one, game two. So, um, 
but I think it's time Julio got his props in, in, in uh, being the ace of that staff, and then and then you go from there. Um, but you're right, there's a lot of young, t- talented guys. Um, you know, the, that's one thing about the Dodgers, where you say the Dodgers versus the Angels. Um, the Angels, when they won the World Series in 2002, their farm system, I mean, the guys that they produced, like John Lackey and Jared Washburn and, I mean, K-Rod, it's so, so many guys. I mean, that, that was home. That team was homegrown with, obviously, a mix of, of free agents. But uh, the Dodgers just have some – there's always guys coming up, you know. So I think they'll be able to use that to their advantage. And, and you're right, Clayton Kershaw, no matter where he is on that staff, is going to provide a, a ton of veteran experience and knowledge, and, and it's pretty cool. Um, and you mentioned Tyler Anderson before he's going down the five to the angels. Uh, what do you think of that move? Because I know one of the things that was mentioned was it was thought that Artie Moreno was not going to spend money because they're floating the idea that, um, that they're going to sell the team. I was surprised, uh, to see him sign with the angels. But again, I think the angels, I mean, Perry Manazian has said he's still operating business as usual. That move right there is a sign that things are our business as usual. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a great thing for the Angels that Artie Moreno is selling the team, and and you know we we as a I think the baseball world want to see Mike Trout back in the playoffs. I don't care if you're a Dodger fan or if you're a Yankees fan or whoever, um, but you know the, the best player in baseball over the last decade, uh, having played one uh, playoff series. Uh, and having not even won a playoff game, again, not all his fault at all. Um, he has been the mainstay of that team. And Shohei Otani, I think everybody wants to see them in the, in the postseason. So um, they need pitching in the worst way. And so Tyler Anderson, while that was a great move, that's step one. They need, they need another three or four starters uh, because that's what, what, what they've been missing. And, of course, uh, uh, the bullpen as well. So, you know, they missed on some signings, uh, you know, signing Rendon to that $250 million deal when they needed pitching. That still is, is puzzling to me. Um, but in terms of moving forward, I, I guess to me that move says, you know, that they're operating business as usual. And, and uh, I, it seems like Moreno wants to, to sell and hopefully they can get that done in a, in a decent amount of time, no matter what team you have now, whether it's, uh, you know, NFL with, with, with the Broncos sale or whether it's, um, uh, you know, any team, I mean, the lucrative figure billions that people are getting for franchises is insane. So I think he'll have a very easy time uh, selling that team. And again, hopefully it'll be a, a new owner that, um, you know, has an open pop pocketbook he or she or the team and uh, that we can see the angels getting back to uh, where I think we all want to want to see them competing for, for, for the postseason. Um and do you think it's in Anaheim, you know, with all the machinations with the whole mayoral scandal and uh, figuring out to build their own stadium, get away from the Anaheim City Council? You know, that's a tricky deal. I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, it's funny that, that uh, yeah, their, their location need, needs some work for sure. Um, that's kind of above my pay grade in terms of figuring out how that's all going to unfold. Um, but uh It'll be interesting to see, that's for sure. Uh, you certainly hope that, that they can keep that team there. I love that we have two teams in, in the, the L.A. Orange County area. Um, I know they're called the L.A. Angels, 
uh, and but, you know, a lot of people I know around in LA feel like it's a, it's a far drive unless it's the angels Dodgers series. But um, I would just like to see them, you know, get back to their winning ways in the postseason. If not for, for trout who made a lifetime commitment to them. And again, Otani um, is, you know, the likes of, we haven't seen in a hundred years or ever. It's just incredible what he does. So um, Tyler Anderson is a good start, but a lot more needs to happen. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to, buy this team and, and hopefully pour some money into it. Like, like the Dodgers, right. Open pocketbook and they can, you know, they just assemble. I mean, so much talent with the trades of, you know, Freddie and Mookie. And it's just been amazing to see what, what they do to give themselves a chance to win. It doesn't guarantee anything as we saw, but, but you got to put yourself in that conversation and the angels have not even, even been there. Um, well, we mentioned, um, you know, people buying teams, selling teams, I have a theory, and this goes to uh, our basketball discussion. Uh, the Lakers, is their front office model untenable in this modern NBA? I mean, they're getting a lot of flack for the way things have just fallen off the ledge after winning the title in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I still, I've, I've never been uh, set on, on Palenka as the GM there. And uh, as we can see now, they just don't have a roster to win this year. Uh, even though you have AD and LeBron, I mean, you need a whole lot more than that. Uh, we see their shooting deficiencies. Um, you know, three and ten is is certainly not going to cut it, and it's uh, it's hard. A lot of people are having a hard time watching Laker basketball, and yeah, it's, it starts it starts from the top. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, you know, I like the new coach Darvin Ham, and I like his defensive philosophies. Um, I don't know if he has the horses to be able to carry carry that out all season. Um, you know, that Russell Westbrook signing was just proven to, you know, the, the money that he got um, for the stage of his career that he's in and, and the lack of, of consistent productivity uh, and, and, and in terms of his ability to mesh with his teammates and things of that nature. It's uh, they certainly missed there. That was a swing and a miss. <laughs> So again, I'm going to preface this. I'm a fan. I say sell because I'm I'm uh, I'm an idiot and I'm nuts and it's not my money, <laughs> not my team. Um, oh, so, you're oh wait, you're saying you want the Lakers to sell? Yeah, I say sell. The oh, team. okay. I think yeah. the model the model for a family run business in a modern league like the NBA just doesn't work anymore. And I know there are probably some other families that own them, but it does feel like it's the hedge fund. Uh, model now that works in the NBA um, and to some extent it works in MLB but, be, but because of the playoff structure you can catch lightning in a bottle um, and the fact that you keep all your revenue uh, in a lot of places the NBA I just feel like it's, it's got to be people who just hire basketball people and I feel like the Lakers don't have basketball people in charge despite the fact that it's Kurt Rambis Phil Jackson Magic Johnson have the owner's ear. They're just not the basketball people for me. It's an interesting topic of discussion for sure. Um, you know, I really like Jeannie Buss and what she's been able to do in terms of, um, you know, certainly the business side of that franchise and carrying on what her father's legacy was there. But you're right. It's a, it's a different time. I think you can hire all the, the kind of people that you're talking about that they need. But when you're hiring a former agent to be your GM, I think that's, again, that's probably my biggest problem with um, 
the executives running things right now. Um, and you make an interesting point, but I don't, I don't see that. I don't see her selling anytime soon. Sorry. I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a GoFundMe and uh, see if we can pull some billions out of our pockets. Uh, Jill, you cover um, a lot of um, college sports. Uh, you're gearing up to go to a, a college basketball tournament in the Bahamas. Um, there, there's some interesting things come uh, here on the West Coast. There's a meeting this week, I believe, of the UC Regents, University of California Regents, and the number one topic is the UCLA Bruins moving to the Big Ten. What are your thoughts on that? You know, if I was an athlete of some of the Olympic sports, I probably wouldn't love it, and that may change some of their recruiting. Uh, the travel is insane, but. Uh, if they are operating at a deficit and if they're their athletic department, like they say they are, then I think it's a good move. The exposure is a good move. Um, you know, again, the only problem that I would foresee is travel, but um, you know, the, 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 the football team, that's, that's obviously your, your bread and butter and they travel once a week, every other week. So I don't think that's a, a problem. Uh, and then, you know, you hear Chip Kelly talk about before the last Arizona, you hear him talk about, you know, people just aren't watching us. So in those Pac-12 after dark games, et cetera, um, which I counter, he wouldn't want anybody watching. I was watching. I don't know if you were watching the UCLA Arizona game, uh, but but uh, I don't think he wanted people watching that game. That was a, a pretty bad loss for them. Um, so again, I, I I like the move. I know it was. I mean, it was brought on by USC. I mean, they were they were the leaders, spearheaded that. I think it's unfortunate for the Pac-12. I don't like to see what it's going to do to the Pac-12. I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, are other teams going to flee as well? And what will be left of the Pac-12? And, and I mean, that conference has just been, um, you know, just a, just an amazing conference from the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12 for you know decades. So I, I I worry about what that's going to do. But again, a school like SC and UCLA, it's it's a it's a good move for them in terms of of television and and what rules everything in college sports and professional sports money so but uh i can see how the regents uh and other there's other concerned parties for sure yeah you mentioned the olympic sports i also i also wonder what it's going to do to some of their other i mean the other side of the big money sport equation even if it doesn't bring in as much football as basketball uh do you see it i mean ucla right now is one of the best teams in the nation usc's and it looks like they're going to have a tough season because they've lost some guys, yep. um, especially I believe it's the Mosley brothers uh, have now both left. Yeah. So what do you think it's going to do to those those sports um, on the basketball side? Well, I, I mean, I don't think it can hurt. Again, I, the only the only thing that I've really seen in this move is is, is travel. Um, and yes, so you'll be getting on a plane. Uh, you know, I, I think Hawaii is probably looking at everybody and saying, hey, this is what we do on a normal basis. They take a, a five hour flight just to get to the to the West Coast. Um, so I don't see a problem with it. And when you're talking about schools like that, you know, tutors on the road and, uh, I, you know, it's not great to be missing as much class as they're probably going to miss, et cetera. But, um, you know, in the overall grand scheme of things, which is more important is television ratings, et cetera. And so I think it puts the, the men's basketball program on a, on a bigger stage even. Um, you know, it's a great conference in women's basketball, um, you know, with Stanford right up there and, and UCLA in the not last year, but in, in the past has, you know, been a top 10, top 15 uh, team as well. Um, the competition is is probably better overall um, for sure. But 
you look at UCLA and say, hey, this is a basketball school, right? Uh, and you look at USC and say it's a football school. And so I think when you look at those, the biggest money-making sports for those schools, uh, I don't see that there's, um, you know, a lot of drawbacks. Are you at all concerned that as an alum of uh, Colorado, which is one of the mountain schools in the Pac- in the Pac-12, are you concerned at all that this could sink um, the sports program even further um, in terms of, you know, call, uh, the football team not being as good as it. it's been historically. Basketball is doing better. I mean, they just pulled off a great upset against Tennessee. Tennessee, are con- yeah. Are you, are you at all concerned as being one of the schools that's being left behind by these moves? Oh, absolutely. And especially because of where the football program is. You look at Utah and you think Utah's football program is is in great standing and what's going to happen to them? What conference will they play in, et cetera? Um, Colorado is football. I mean, they've got one win right now and, and uh, you know, they're as low of a place as I've known them to be in, in you know, 30 years. So, um, yeah, certainly concerned about that. What what conference are they going to play in? Um, what this is going to do to them in terms of recruiting, et cetera. But I don't think they have any standing right now to to argue that, you know, things should be any different. Uh, you know, and not just them. It's like you look at Washington, Washington State, Oregon State. Like, what is going to happen to these Pac-12 teams? Uh, Cal will be fine. <laughs> Cal, again, is also, uh, you know, with football and, and uh, basketball, I think, as well as, you know, they're struggling. They're struggling, too. So um, you're right. It's, it's a difficult time. But, um, you know, if you're not if your program is kind of already in shambles right now, I think what conference you're going to play in is probably the last of your concerns. You don't have much standing to, to, uh, to say otherwise, but uh, I, I, like I said, I do feel bad for the PAC 12. I, I still can't believe this story didn't come out, you know, before. I mean, we, we found out right when they're making the move. Right. And uh, I still can't believe this hadn't come out before. Um, it was a little shocking, but I'm, I'm certainly getting used to it. Well, I was going to say in regards to Cal, I mean, people go, I mean, the, Sports programs heyday was the Eisenhower administration. There's been some times where there's some ups here, you know, the Tedford era for football, basketball, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Kidd being there famously, but people go to Cal regardless. So Yeah. The education. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will brag That's about it. I'll I'll brag more about our Nobel prizes than what we do on the football field for sure. Same uh, at Colorado. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, I I wanted to shift a little international here um the fifa world cup starts this week in qatar in four years it's going to be here in la i'm curious as somebody who covers um sports from uh human interest stories um there are a lot of a lot of the stories of corruption that led to the bidding that went to qatar but also um you know the way the stadiums were built um human rights violations within the country are these mega events still worth having when they're fraught with these type of uh, corruption stories? I mean, we don't know what could come out of it being in the United States and then the Olympics uh, two years later. You know, it's an interesting question. One I haven't really thought about, you know, not having these big events. I mean, we certainly look at four years ago, uh, the World Cup being in, in Russia. Uh, and, you know, um, I don't know that that was was a. Uh, the same deal in terms of was that squeaky clean either um unfortunately i think with the fifa world cup it it comes with it it sucks um but uh again haven't really thought much about it i i hope that you know it's a a great experience when it comes here to us and, and mexico and canada uh, i really do um qatar is is 
is certainly a, a, a different beast in terms of how things are, are, are going to be run over there. I'll, I'll be interested to see. Um, but, you know, I think the Olympics is, is the same way. We're, we're getting the Olympics in, in 2028, um, you know, following uh, Paris. So uh, I'm not sure that that world is, is one that's squeaky clean, that anybody's going to come out looking, looking like roses afterwards. So I may have to get back to you on that one in terms, but I, I, don't, I don't see us, you know, it's such a, it's the, some people would argue the greatest spectator sport uh, in the world, the, the, the world cup. Uh, I still go for the Super Bowl myself, but, but um, I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, there, there's so many different sports leagues are, are fraught with, with corruption and, and fraud. I mean, you look at all the problems even in, in the NWSL uh, in the women's league, uh, just in terms of the types of problems that there can be in so many different leagues and, and with the uh, harassment, sexual harassment and harassment by a, a few coaches in the league, et cetera. I think unfortunately we're going to find stuff like that in a lot of different leagues. Does that mean I think they're going to fold or we're not going to have those events anymore? No, because again, there's too much money involved. And uh, you mentioned uh, LA getting the Olympics in 2028. Um, so now we're seeing that LA's hosted a Super Bowl, but uh, the college football playoff is here in January. Um, I'm sure the Final Four is either already scheduled or down the road. We got the World Cup as a host city. We got the Olympics. I mean, if somebody tells you that LA is not a sports city, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, they don't live here. They don't know. It's a uh... You know, there's so many great sports cities, Chicago, New York, Boston, L.A., to name a few. Uh, I think the reason we're getting so many cool things is because of the new structures in terms of, you know, Crypto.com Arena. And then you look at the, the soccer field at, at Bank of uh, California Stadium and uh, you look at the Intuit Dome that's being built, um, you know, by the Clippers. And um, I think that's just there's only, a, a, you know, a certain few, uh, a few cities that can host on this kind of level with the hotel space needed and restaurants and not just stadiums, but new stadiums. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that, that, uh, and of course, SoFi, how can I leave SoFi out? <laughs> um, that we're getting all these events, which is pretty cool. But, you know, even without all those, it's, it's a great sports city. We have every major sport here. So in some cases, two teams, uh, when you look at NBA and soccer and then baseball, if you widen it to orange County and hockey, um, you know, we just have, you know, and anything any sports fan would want in the city. Now, can people complain about LA not being a sports city if people arrive to games late and leave early? Sure, you can make that that case, of course. Um, but I don't think that uh, overall you could say it's not a sports city because it's certainly one of the premier ones. Top five, top four, top three. <laughs> uh, yeah, we well, as as the show is called West Coast Bias, I'm I'm biased in that I say that LA is definitely a sports city. Um, I want to do something a little fun. We're coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday. So we're going to do, do a rapid fire. Oh, I love this part. Favorite item for Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm not being rapid. Gosh, I love everything. I would say turkey dark meat with okay, gravy. What's your favorite dessert? Pumpkin pie. All right. And what's a must have on your plate? I mean, it could be the turkey. It could be something else. But if you show up to a friend's Thanksgiving and they say, we don't have this, you go out the door and you go somewhere else. I'd say a couple things, turkey and cranberry sauce. Beautiful. And is it sauce or can? Can. 
pecans that's like a little hard it's not a it's not a runny sauce it's yeah it can be from a can i'm 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 not opposed to that okay (laughs) and then um red or white wine you're a wine connoisseur an entrepreneur red or white hey what are we talking are we talking like the cheese and cracker appetizers first are we talking for the actual sit-down meal because i think white goes better with turkey but i feel like i would have white with the appetizers and then red with my meal I feel I feel like I enjoy a red more with the meal these days, even with the turkey. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's, it's probably everything else that goes with it, because I don't know if it's like I like the acidity of of uh, of um, of a cabernet, and it brings mm-hmm. something out with the potatoes or the especially with the stuffing. So mm-hmm. I think no, I'm gonna go with the red. I hear you. I think you can't go wrong with whatever you choose whatever wine you like but i feel like i'd like to have a glass of wine first and then a glass of red and then and then my coffee with my pumpkin pie pumpkin pie is about the one thing i know how to make so (laughs) but not a pre but again i'd still use a pre-made crust so i'm not going to martha stewart here but but uh uh yeah i i I do pecan and i cheat with the crust too so so very good not enough time in the world and and uh and sometimes you just want to get it done (laughs) yeah and i love pecan pie too pecan pecan i never know i say pecan pecan yeah i like to frustrate people go no pecan i say pecan tomato Uh, tomato exactly So um, thank you so much. You know, you've been a great guest once again. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug your social media and where people can see you, um, you know, in the coming days. Awesome. Thanks, Jamal. Always, always fun to uh, chat sports with you. So I uh, appreciate you having me on. And on Twitter, uh, for as long as Twitter is still going to be uh, lasting here, I'm still on there, Jill Painter. And then Instagram is Jill Painter Lopez. And those are the, the, the two main accounts. And the basketball tournament you're going to be covering, what, uh, where can people watch that? So that I'll be doing the women's, the Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. Uh, the women's tournament is in its second year. The men's uh, tournament has been going on for a long time. That'll be on ESPN. Um, the tournament, the women's games, except for the semifinals and finals, will be on Flow Sports, so flowsports.com. Uh, we'll have uh, four games uh, this Saturday, four games on Sunday, and then uh, – uh, the two uh, third place, and I'm sorry, not third place, fifth Con- place and consolation seven games. consolation games yeah. will be Monday evening. Uh, so, or sorry, afternoon here. <laughs> but yeah, flow, flowsports.com. It's a digital space that you can watch. Uh, yeah, so I'll be calling 10 games in three days. So you're doing play-by-play for this or are you doing the sideline? I am. I'm doing play-by-play for this event. I did uh, last year as well, so it was I mean, there's so many great teams. Now you look at uh, Louisville, a Final Four team from last year in Tennessee, uh, South Dakota State, UCLA. I mean, it's a, it's a great field. Last year we had a great field too. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun to call. And, and I also call, uh, in addition to my reporting duties, uh, CSUN Women's Basketball, and their home opener is tomorrow night. So I'll be calling that tomorrow night and then leaving on a red eye to the Bahamas. And then we'll get going for Battle for Atlantis. And then uh, it's a little bit of a crazy week, but then I'll come back and, and uh, we'll be getting ready for some uh, for some big sports games and Thanksgiving and all that good stuff. Well, that's great. Congratulations on, you know, covering that big event again. And I'm sure we'll be able to see you on CBS Sports LA 
um, I, I, I loved your, if I have to say one thing, I did love your, um, you did a story with the Spanish play-by-play announcer for the Rams in the run-up to the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, yeah, Trey, Trey Santiago. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you remember uh, that one. I do, and the reason I remember it, because it, I, I, I swear it brought me to tears because he was discussing how he got into it, and he said that his father, he and his father bonded over watching the NFL even though he they were both they both weren't english speakers and mm-hmm. that it's it's carried him throughout his career and all he wanted to do was call a super bowl winner and he got oh. to call a super bowl winner so yeah, yeah. no it was a super heartwarming story and he's so close to his dad and just to think about a kid in mexico dreaming about you know calling this watching it is great he, he even played uh, you know, the, the foot, American football is not that popular in Mexico, but he played football growing up and in, in college in Mexico. Uh, and so for him to, to, uh, to be able to be calling it Ram, not only NFL games and the Rams, but that Super Bowl championship, I don't, unfortunately, I don't think they'll be able to even call playoffs this year, uh, since the Rams are, are, are uh, struggling mightily. Um, but thank you. I thought that, uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool, uh, yeah, he, he got pretty emotional about that. It was nice to see how much, uh, this career means to him. Yeah, and his story wouldn't be out there if you weren't there. So, uh, oh, thank you. Great, I think it's great what you do. Appreciate that. So we've had Jill Penner Lopez on with us here on West Coast Bias, and as we always say, we're the West Coast, we're the best coast, we're West Coast Bias. West Coast Bias. We place a ball on the West Coast.